of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. So like we were saying a little earlier this morning, that this gospel is actually repeated um, and was read just last week. So um, uh, any time somebody who's in a position of teaching or authority repeats something, it's probably because they think it's important. Like I remember in school, our teachers would often tell us, professors in university and so on, would often tell us um, that, uh, you know, I'm repeating this because you might see it again at another time, like maybe on an exam or something. Um, and that was always very helpful, very helpful hints of knowing what to focus on. The church is telling us this is really important. This is really, really important. Do this and do it now. And so what's, what, was Jesus, what was Jesus talking about? Jesus told them a very mundane story uh, that was very normal, that was very like nothing special, that was very like part of everyday life. It would be like saying somebody woke up in the morning, he had a coffee and a shower, and then he uh, went and took the streetcar and went to work. You know, you'd be like, okay, I guess that sounds like the life of, you know, many Torontoians. What's, what's, the, uh, what's, the, what's the big deal? Jesus was telling them something that they were very familiar with. Last week, the, the church kept the explanation. Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. He says, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, and some fell on hard ground that people walk on, the wayside where people walk, and the earth is so packed down that the seed just sits there, and the birds see it, they come and they eat it. And of course, it brings no fruit. Some of it fell on stony ground where there was some earth amongst the stones. And because the, the, the ground is very, um, uh, is, is, is very rocky and there isn't much soil, the, the, the seeds start to grow roots. And as they start to grow roots, they're unable to grow them very deep because of the, because of the rocks. So then they start to grow their shoots. So they bring, they bring up their shoot, their little green shoot really quickly, faster than maybe in other ground, right? But as soon as a bit of sun comes up, the, the earth is very thin, very narrow, so it dries out really quickly. And, you know, by corollary, the, the, um, the, the plant also will then, will then also dry out and it brings no fruit. Some of it fell amongst thorns. Um, and like amongst weeds and the weeds and the and the and the seed kind of grew together and the weeds choked out the wheat and so it didn't bring much fruit some of it fell on good ground and brought forth fruit 30 fold 60 fold and 100 fold what's Jesus talking about he says the seed is the word of God and God goes about sowing the seed and if you notice, there's something really important here is that God is very indiscriminate. He's very impartial in where he sows the seed. He knows the seed is falling on the wayside. He knows the seed is falling on ears that are not listening and that the demons will come and whisk the word away. The birds will come and eat the seed away. He knows that but he sows it anyways. Look at how gracious, how impartial, how gentle, how kind the sower is. He doesn't judge. He gives everyone a fair chance. And all the different soils got sown in exactly the same way. One of them didn't get special treatment or some special, um, uh, special thing. In fact, they were all identical in, in, in the treatment that they received. What was different was the nature 
of each soil. If we look at the psalm, we'll oftentimes, I mean, you know, this gospel comes like, let's get real here. The gospel, you know, comes up twice a year. And I've been a priest for six years. This is my seventh year. This is my 14th time preaching on this parable, right? There are hundreds, thousands of messages we could get from this parable. So how do we know what God wants to tell us today? Look at the psalm. The psalm says, the trees of the Lord are full of sap. The, tr the psalm tells us that not only does God sow the seed, God also waters it. And we talked about that last last time but listen carefully he says the trees of the lord are full of sap the trees of who of the lord his trees are full of sap the sap is oftentimes like in john 15 reflective of the holy spirit the working of the holy spirit in our lives what you know to sum up like as a summary for today and then we'll develop it and we'll summarize it again right what happens when you hear the word of god what happens when you pick up your Bible in a quiet moment and you read? What happens when you find five minutes that are spare on the streetcar and you say, I'm going to redeem this lost time and I'm going to give it to God. And you open, you open your Bible or you open some spiritual book you're reading. What happens, what happens when you seek the Word of God? The Word of God, the Logos of the Father, the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God who is spoken by the Father interacts with the Holy Spirit living inside the believer. And the Holy Spirit himself is, is, is enlivened, is, is, is moved by the word that you read. And the Holy Spirit himself is your teacher and mine. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27, it says, For you have an anointing, and you have no need that anyone should teach you anything, for he teaches you all things. The anointing here is the is reference to the Holy Chrism, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, the Spirit of God who dwells inside of you, is ready and able to teach you all things. Abuna, this sounds really awesome. Like this sounds like I have the book and then I have the author and the author is living inside of me and I can like read from the book and then he can explain it to me. This sounds fantastic. But Ambuna, I'm so sorry to break it to you. This isn't my daily experience. I open the Bible. I have no idea what I'm reading. And I ask God and then Eureka, all of a sudden I understand everything. That's not how it works for me. So how come St. Jude explains to us? St. Jude gives us very good advice. St. Jude wrote his epistle at a time when a lot of false teachings and false teachers were, were rising up and teaching all kinds of false stuff about, about Jesus and about God and about the faith of the church. And it was a very critical time because it was also the time when most of the apostles had gotten imprisoned. So he's telling them, look, there's all these new teachers that are coming out of nowhere. And you find this new teacher, you never heard of him and you have no idea, you know, if his teaching is correct or inco incorrect. Look at his life. Look at his life. Like Jesus, remember the apostles didn't teach something, anything new. They taught what, what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach? He said, you will know them by their deeds, right? That's what Jesus taught. When you see a new apostle, when you see a new teaching, a new teacher, how do I know? Is this credible or is it not credible? He says, look at their life. And if you find them walking according to their own ungodly lusts, don't judge. It's not our, our job to judge. But know that this is not 
This is not how we received. This is not from whom we received the word of God. This is not how we received it. We received it from the saints who, 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 who loved asceticism, who loved worshiping God, who, who loved troubling themselves for the sake of God. If you, if you find that you're receiving it from men who walk according, or people who walk according to their ungodly lusts, forget that, right? But what should you do? What should you do? Now, the apostles are all in prison. There's these false teachers walking according to their ungodly lusts, and they're the ones teaching, and you don't know what to do. You don't know who to learn from and who to, or you know who not to learn from, but who to learn from and who to listen. St. Jude tells us four very simple, four very simple things that will make the Holy Spirit alive inside of us. Like it's not like we give life to the Holy Spirit, but it's rather the opposite. We allow Him to live freely in our lives. The first thing he says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So my foundation is my faith. There's a phrase in the Liturgy of St. Cyril that I love so much. There's this, the litanies in the Liturgy of St. Cyril are really beautiful, you know, and in, 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 they're beautiful in all the liturgies. In the Liturgy of St. Basil, there's a few short litanies. In the Liturgy of St. Cyril, there's 17 of them. We pray for everything. We pray for the people who couldn't come to church and wanted to pray, but they, they wanted to pray, but they couldn't come. We pray for the people who made offerings and the people who wanted to make offerings but could not afford. We pray for the bishops and the priests and the deacons and the laity and the, the monks and the nuns and those who re raise children, right? It's the, only, it's the only time I ever saw a litany praying asking God to remember those who raise children, who rear children. In it also, there's a, a litany for those who are here and those who wish to be here, but could not. And in it, it says something really beautiful. It says, it says, and Lord, keep us firm in our Orthodox faith until the end, for this alone is our hope. St. Cyril is telling us, my only hope, my only hope in this life is of course Christ and His working in me and His Holy Spirit living in me. But there's so much noise out there. There's so much false teaching out there. There's so much fake news out there that what, you know, how, where am I going to, how am I going to tease this apart? My only hope is to hold on to my faith. I remember being a teenager and late, late teenager in, in university and uh, uh, made all these friends uh, of varying different worldviews and religions and so on. And, and they had lots of very interesting ideas. And so um, I remember going and asking my dad, so how about this idea? Do we believe that or we don't believe that? I asked him one or two questions and then he told me, look, I'm gonna make it very easy for you. When you wanna know if you believe something or you don't believe it, where are you going to look? Where is your reference point? Where are you going to go back to? Go back to the creed. You'll find that the creed has everything in there that we believe and everything that we don't believe is either mentioned or is by absence something that we don't, that we don't believe. And we've spoken about the creed before, so I won't belabor it, but that's what St. Jude is saying by saying building ourselves up on our most holy faith. New ideas and new thoughts will come. And there's no, I'm not saying be closed-minded and, and don't, don't listen to anything. No, I'm a very open-minded person. I love listening to all kinds of different things, but I need a reference point to compare to. What's your reference point going to be? St. Jude tells us building yourselves up on your most holy faith. 
Use your faith as your foundation to build up everything that comes after that. Secondly, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. Try something today when you pray, when you go home, or try something today when you pray in the liturgy. Ask Jesus, ask the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, to take your hand and lead you in prayer. Tell him, Lord, say, say to him what his disciples said to him, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach us to pray, his disciples, the disciples said to Jesus. You may find, you may find that God himself is the one who is directing your prayer and teaching you how to pray. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Um, not too long ago, I needed to go to some social function that I was more or less, you know, excited to go to. I'm not really like, it's not, uh, like I'm, I'm not an introvert, but I don't really like um, uh, so, social functions like that I just have to go to because I have to go to them kind of thing. But anyways, I, I went um, and I was celebrating, you know, somebody that I love dearly, uh, but I would have rather spend time with him one-on-one -on -one than be in, in this big gala thing. But anyways, at the very end of the night, uh, the person that was being celebrated stood up to speak. And when he stood up to speak, he talked a little bit about his life and about all the different obstacles that he's been through. And I realized something. This man, despite all of his enormous accomplishments and all the amazing things that God has done through him, doesn't take himself too seriously. And every time a problem arises, he just kind of, you know, accepts it and, you know, keeps going and doesn't really fuss too much about it. And he makes plans and he works really hard and is extremely focused on achieving them. But if they don't happen or something outside of his control happens, he just accepts it. He accepts it with hope that there is, there's another chapter. This project got completed, did not get completed. Something slowed it down. Something came, it got put on pause. It got put on the back burner. That's fine. There's another chapter. Whether we complete this project, we don't. There will be, there will be something that will come after, right? And he keeps himself in the love of God. When I hear keep yourself in the love of God, I think of this person who is always somewhat cheerful not like you know like euphoric we all have our ups and downs but always somewhat cheerful always keeping his eyes on the love of god for him and that there is there is more to the story than what meets the eye and god himself is the one who is arranging my life and arranging all the work that i do because in the beginning and in the end my life is his and the work is his and everything that i put my hand to is his the fourth thing saint jude says is looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life and in the Pauline, St. Paul was talking about hopeful patience and endurance. And St. Paul was actually likening it to the hopeful patience, the hopeful patience that, uh, that um, uh, uh, a farmer has, uh, that he plants and he waters and waits patiently until he receives the reward, until he receives the harvest. What, are we, what am I looking for? What am I waiting for patiently? Am I, I'm, I'm waiting for the mercy of God. I'm waiting for the day where I will stand before God in judgment. I'm waiting for that judgment day with hope, not with fear, with hope. With hope in what? In His mercy. I'm looking forward to the day of my perfect acquittal of the day where I will stand before the judge and he will tell me, you are acquitted, which, is, which you can find that in Isaiah 46. Um, God says, 
Come, let us contend together. The word contend there is come, state your case. He says, come, state your case. Let us contend together that you may be acquitted. So here I am waiting patiently, waiting patiently for my reward. What's my reward? To stand before my Lord and to receive his mercy. So we find these four very simple points that St. Jude is telling us of how we can prepare our hearts how we can prepare my soil so that it can be that fourth kind of soil and not one of the other three. I want to be very practical with you, okay? You remember the four points, you don't remember the four points, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to put my notes, I'm just going to put my notes away for a minute and just speak to you from my heart. The church has put for us, the church has put for us this passage here and now because it's telling you and me, fill up on the word of God. It's telling you and me, how, how much time do you spend reading the Bible in a day or in a week? Suppose it's five minutes. Suppose it's 10 minutes a week. Suppose it's 20 minutes. I, I'm not fussed. I'm not fussed with what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to challenge you and challenge myself to this. Let's double it. Let's double it this week. The church has given us this time and told us this is the time to sow the seed. There's an ancient saying, an ancient pharaonic saying, translated to English would sound like this. If you, if you let the month of Hatur pass, if you let the month of Hatur pass, you have to wait for it to come again. It's not talking about months in the year. If you wait for November to pass, you have to wait 12 months before November comes again. That's obvious. It's Hatur for, for ancient Egyptians, being in an agricultural culture, was this was the time of sowing. If you don't sow today, if you don't sow now, tomorrow will be too late. Tomorrow will be time for, it'll be a different time in the agricultural season. It'll be the, the time of watering or the time of tending or the time of weeding or the time of waiting or the time of harvest. But it won't be the time of sowing. The church is telling us now is the time to sow. Let God sow his seed in your heart fully. And look, search, search where that seed is falling. Where is it falling? Is it falling on ground which is full of the Holy Spirit, ready to receive it? The, the word of God comes and interacts with his spirit and his spirit comes alive and gives me personal direction of how to apply this. Love your enemies. I read it and it falls in my heart and the spirit inside me says, you know that person who's a real pain in the butt? You know, that person who's really bothers, I don't think God would say he's a pain in the butt, but God would say, that person whom you think is, a real, why don't you try to love him? Why don't you, what loving thing could you, could you, you know, you always go for coffee together. Could you buy him a coffee tomorrow morning instead of waiting to go down for coffee with him? Could you? The Holy Spirit will, will open my, my heart and my eyes to see how this word is lived in my own day to day. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? God himself wishes to tell you and to tell me, this is the season not tomorrow. Next week's gospel is not going to be the gospel of the sower. It'll be a different one. It'll still be agricultural. This whole month is going to be kind of agricultural, but it won't be about the sower anymore, right? This is the season. Ask yourself right now, how many minutes did you spend reading the Bible this last week? Count them all up together. 
Okay, multiply them by two, divide by seven. I know it's a lot of math for a Sunday, right? And, and try to do that every day to say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double it because, Lord, I really wish to receive your word and for you yourself to teach me, to direct me how to apply this word in my life that I also may bear fruit hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold. Glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.